Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe concludes his two-part message in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 17. Verse 10. Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows of a fool. Those that are foolish, again, not godly, not seeking the Lord, you can, you know, they can have a hundred lashes and it's still not going to change them. If their heart's set on, you know, just not following the ways of the Lord, not desiring the things of God, those blows aren't going to make a difference. But you rebuke a wise man and it's going to be much more effective. He'll, he'll learn from that when you tell him he's wrong. He'll say, oh, really? Oh, and he'll want to, to learn from that rebuke. An evil man seeks only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Those that are evil, they, they're just, they seek rebellion. They're just rebellious. Most likely, each and every one of us, before we came to the Lord, that, we, that could be said about us. You know, we were evil, we were rebellious. We weren't seeking the things of God. But a cruel messenger, basically, there's going to be severe punishment, is what it's saying, that the Lord's going to, there's going to be, if they don't turn there's going to be severe punishment for that person. Let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. That's pretty bad, huh? They say if you rob you know, a cub from a bear, a mother bear, look out. You, know, you, you better get out of there because you don't want to be there. But notice the fool in his folly, it's even worse. A warning for us not to be foolish, but also a warning to stay away from those that are in that state. Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. That's heavy. You know, we're not to repay someone evil when they do you good. And that's a tough thing when you, I'm sure you can relate where you've helped someone out, you've gone out of your way for them, you've done things for them, you've tried to to do your best for them, and then they turn around and they stab you in the back, or they they try to hurt you, or they say bad things about you, and it's like, like, wow, what was that all about? Why did did that happen? Well, the Lord says, don't worry, I I have your back. Evil won't depart from their house. They're going to be repaid for that. And so it's a a blessing when, <laughs> when we see that, that God watches out for us, but it's a, a warning not to, to repay evil when someone does good to you. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Another translation I want to read, it says, the start of an argument is like the breaking, the first break in a dam Stop it before it goes any further. The importance of stopping contention 
before it gets out of control. As I've been going through these proverbs, and as we're going to you know, look at you know, contention and problems, I've been you know, more conscious than ever of watching what I say, being quiet, listening more. And then it's almost like because of these, these proverbs and they're going on in my mind, I'm thinking, boy, I would normally answer, and I know what I'm going to answer, but I'm, because I'm slowing down and waiting, I'm like, I know this is going to start a little argument if I say that. And it's been so awesome just to, to stop and, and think, I don't have to say anything right now. And I realized that if I would have said something, it could have started a little, little stirring, it could have started some problems. I'm like, wow, this is awesome, Lord, that your word tells us you know, to, to be careful of what we say and, and stop contention before it starts problems. And, and we can do that. We all have that ability to, to just stop it right then and there. I used to have a friend, before I knew the Lord, and whenever we'd go out, he'd have a few drinks and all, and he'd want to fight all the time. He loved to fight. And it was terrible, you know, going out with him because he, he would, you know, go start fights with different people. And, and I was typically the peacemaker. You know, I'd go up and just say, come on, you don't want to fight. And he said, no, I want to fight. No, you don't want to fight. Then I'd go to the other guy and say, I'm sorry. And I'm, I start apologizing for him and, and stuff. And then and I would do my best to, to keep peace. But it worked. I could foresee if it kept going down that road, it was just going to get ugly. So the, the warning here. Stop contention before a quarrel starts. Like a releasing, like a dam being ready to release, you know, to plug that up and do your best to stop the dispute. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. So you don't want to justify the wicked. Don't want to try to make excuses that they're okay. And you don't want to condemn someone that's doing what's right. Why is there... In the hand of a fool, the purchase price of wisdom, which he has no heart for it. Another translation, it's senseless to pay tuition to educate a fool who has no heart for wisdom. So the purchase price, why is it that you know, there, there might be monies there for him to gain an education and all, but if his heart's not there, why pay for the education? And we've seen that. I've seen that before. Growing up, going to college and all, I've seen some kids that were in college just because their, their parents had the money. And that's the only reason they were there. They did, their heart wasn't there. They didn't want to learn. They didn't want to be there. But their parents paid for it, so they're there. And basically it's saying, you know, that's why pay for that. Their heart isn't in it. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. That's a good friend. A reminder to be that friend, to, to be there at all times. To be that friend that, that God would have you to be, to love at all times. To be there even during the difficult times. It's a good reminder for all of us to be there for others. But notice a brother is born for adversity. He's, a, a brother is there to help in trouble when adversity comes. The Bible tells us that there's one that stays closer to us than a, a friend closer than a brother, closer, and it's Jesus. In life, people are going to fail us. People are going to, even sometimes your, your best friend will, will betray you or he'll, you know, she will. It happens. But you have one that will never forsake you. You have one that will never leave you. You have one that will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. He'll always be there for you. I think of Paul and Barnabas. I, I think of the, you know, they were like a dynamic duel, the two. 
And you read the book of Acts and you read how God used them so mightily together. But then you see the contention. You see the, the you know, the, when Barnabas wanted to take his nephew on the, on the second missionary journey. And Paul says, he's not going. And Barnabas was basically saying, it was, you know, it was a terrible contention. And Barnabas was like, you know, I'm taking my nephew. And the contention was so bad, as you know the story, Barnabas took his nephew and went one way. Paul took Silas and went another way. And there was a breakup. There was a split. And we see, you know, yeah, obviously there was two teams that went out instead of one team. We see the blessing with it. But we also see, you know, there's, it could have been different. There could have still been two teams. If they could have done it in love. It could have, you know, did you see that? It's just like, it's terrible when you see that happen. It's terrible when you're part of that. You see contention. But Lord, help us. A friend loves at all times. That doesn't mean, and I want to make sure you understand this, it doesn't mean that the friends that you had, there's friends of mine that I love. I love, you know, they're, they're, they're my good friends I grew up with. But it doesn't mean that I have to be a part of their life in the, the sinful lifestyle that I used to be before I knew Christ. And even others that are in, you know, if, if there's going to be friends that are going to bring you down, it doesn't mean, okay, well, I'm going to love you at all times, bro. You know, I guess, you know, I've got to be a partaker with the things that you're doing because I, I got to be by your side, you know, and just, no, 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 no. It doesn't mean that you, you have to be part of the things that they're doing. A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. Obviously, we've looked at this a few times. Uh, talking about surety is talking about being a co-signer for a friend. Basically, if you're devoid of understanding, if you're going to be a co-signer for somebody and you, you're not able to make good on your promise, that's foolish. You shouldn't do that. But if you're able to, you know, that's fine. But if you're devoid of understanding, you're going to shake hands and say, I'm going to pay that. If this person doesn't pay it, you're going to be surety. And, uh, and it's not a good thing if you're, if you're doing it and you're, you're not able to fulfill that. He who loves transgression loves strife. And he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. He who loves transgression loves strife. Meaning love to, you know, strife, stir up trouble and make problems and so those that love transgression, they're going to always create problems. And then the exalting his, uh, his gate is, uh, speaks of you know, being prideful and boastful. The, the gates, the, the, the front of the city, and it's where the elders would sit. And, and you're going to exalt that. And, you know, you're, you're boasting. And so if you're exalting your gate, you're going to have problems. You're going to bring destruction. I look at that and I think of, you know, even those that are in the body of Christ, if, if you're in the body of Christ and you're one that is stirring up problems or you're stirring up strife and, and stuff, that, you know, that's not a good thing. There, there's some you know, that, that love to just, they, they love contention all the time. They love you know, problems and, and that kind of stuff. And it just, it, it causes destruction. It causes, it causes problems. In 2 Timothy 2.23 and if you could turn there, why don't we turn there? Because I want to take a look at that. I think about the guys at the Harvest Crusades that hold up the signs. 
And, it, you know, they have these signs and they're saying bad things about, you know, Greg Glory and all that kind of stuff. And they're, and they're out there, they're, they're, they're wanting to quarrel with you. They're wanting, if I, years, years ago, the first, I think the first time I went to a Harvest Crusade, I went to talk with them and it was just like they wanted to fight. They wanted to argue. And I'm like, and, you know, there's people out there that are, are wanting to argue and wanting to fight. But it's a warning here for us in the body that that's not good. It's not a godly thing. And we find that in 2 Timothy 2.23. And Paul the Apostle says in 2 Timothy 2.23, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So the contrast in, the, in Proverbs, it talks, you know, the, the people that love transgression, they love strife, they love causing problems, but it should not be so in the body of Christ. Personally speaking for myself, there's sometimes I think the enemy could put out traps for you to, to argue and, and just, you get people sometimes calling here and, they, and it's obvious, you know, they leave voicemails and they're like, da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, I mean, our tape isn't long enough. It, the tape finally ended and, you know, they, they weren't able to leave the full message. But, I mean, listening, it's just, it was all, it had nothing to do with wanting to really know anything or talk or, to, you know, talk about something or even talk about, you know, our beliefs or, you know, it, it was, he wanted to make a point and it was just argumentative and he wanted to argue. And it's like, whoa, we're to avoid those things. Back to our text, verse 20. He who has a deceitful heart finds no good, and he who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. A perverse tongue is a, a, a bad tongue, an ungodly tongue. He'll fall into trouble or evil. Lord, help us. So watch the heart and watch the tongue. He who begets a scoffer does so to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. To beget means to give birth to. So to give birth to a scoffer, you're going to have sorrow. They're going to cause problems. Hopefully none of you have that problem. A scoffer, again, is someone that's, uh, that's foolish, arrogant, and is not seeking God. Isn't that terrible, though? But the joy that, that they lack, parents can lack, because they have a child causing problems. This is a great one. Verse 22. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. A merry heart. A joyful heart. Laughter. Laughter is good like medicine, basically. It's good like taking good medicine. It's good for your health. As Christians, we should be the most joyful people in the whole world. We're going to heaven. Our sins are forgiven. And it should be evident that... You know, many times, there's been many times I've been out, you know, the grocery store or out different places, and you just see someone shining like a light bulb, just joyful, and, and it's like, you know that they love the Lord. And you can, some of them you could see from a distance. You could see that, you know, just the joy of the Lord in their countenance. It's like, whoa. And it's a, a wonderful witness when we're like that. And it's like medicine. And again, I think... The reason we see it in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's a reminder for us to, to be joyful. A reminder for us, even Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 4, 4, remember what he said? He said, rejoice in the Lord. And then what does he say? He says, again, I say, rejoice. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We should be joyful because we have Christ living in us. We should be joyful because we're going to heaven. And the joy of the Lord that we have should definitely be our strength. And it is like medicine. I love being around joyful people. I love it. My wife's very joyful. One of the biggest things I love doing is watching her laugh, making her laugh. I love making her laugh because her laugh is contagious. So I do whatever I can, you know, just to, to get her to laugh. I look like a fool around the house sometimes just to, just to get her to laugh. But it's like medicine. And there's times that, you know, we, something might be going on or we're thinking about something. It's like, why has that happened? And then all of a sudden, you know, we just spend time with the Lord and we just spend time just, you know, hanging out with each other with the Lord. And we just start, you know, we, we have that joy. And that laughter, I'm telling you, it's like great medicine. We're not to be, you know, these sour Christians that are just walking around just like all, you know, it's, you know the battle's tough. And it's, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it does get tough. That's why we come into the house of the Lord and we pray. And that's why we get on the phone and call our brother and sister in the Lord and say, hey, I need prayer. Help. The enemy wants that joy to be taken away because there's such strength and there's such a wonderful witness in it. After the, the Easter service, uh, we went out to eat and all. And after my wife and I were just, we went to a place to have a tea. And we were in Irvine, actually. And uh, we sat down and I wanted to be in, I was get, getting warm, so I wanted to be in the shade. She wanted to be in the sun. So she sat, typically we sit right next to each other. We love sitting next to each other. But she sat across from me and I sat on the other side. And a, a young lady comes up to us and she goes, can I ask you two something? She goes, how did you two meet? She goes, I've been watching you two. She goes, you're walking around. I'm just, I, I've been watching you two. And how did you guys meet? We said, well, sit down. <laughs> In church. <laughs> and it was so wonderful. We got to share our testimony, how we met, and we met in the church, and we were waiting on the Lord. And, and this girl, she was a Christian, but she's you know, not really walking with the Lord and all, and she said a prayer. And, and it was just a, a, just a work of the Holy Spirit just drawing her. And at first, and I, I'm thinking when she came up, I said, it's a funny thing. We always sit next to each other. And I'm thinking, how did you even notice that we, were, we have such an awesome marriage? How can you tell? By, you know, because she's sitting over here, I'm sitting over here. And then she told us, she said, you know, I saw you guys walking around and I just seen, you know, how much you guys love each other, basically. And that joy and that love. And for you singles, it's not just because, you know, because I have a spouse that I have that joy. It's not, you know, so don't think, well, I wish I had a spouse and I could have that joy that they have. <laughs> sure, they've got joy. Look at they got each other. <laughs> no. First and foremost, it's the joy of my Lord. And just to add a little side note, as we told her, I find my contentment in Jesus Christ. She finds her contentment in Jesus Christ. I don't try to find my contentment in her. She doesn't try to find her contentment in me. I'll disappoint her. She'll disappoint me. But my contentment's in Christ. And that's why I believe we have such an awesome marriage because we, we try to seek God first. And the joy that we have with him is wonderful. The relationship we have with him is wonderful. 
And it turned into a little counseling session with this young lady. It was wonderful. She even walked us to the car. We got, got her bulletin and all. I don't even know if she's here. Is she here? I don't even know if she's here. If you're here, hi. <laughs> it's like medicine. A merry heart does you good. But it's not in things. It's not in our possessions. It's in the Lord. And there's a joy that no one can take away. Jesus told his disciples they're going to have sorrow because he's going to go away. He says, basically, when he returns, they're going to have a joy that nobody can take away. It's not based on our circumstances. It's based on our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. All right, before I get to verse 23, we'll cruise on these last few. But I don't want to miss, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I wanted to skip over that. <laughs> <laughs> When someone just did broken, or in, and it's in a bad way. It's not a, you know, it's, it, it's, they're not joyful. They're not merry. They're not happy. And it's just, a, you know, and it's, you're, sometimes you're around people that are like that. And they, sometimes they can, you know, suck the, the, the life out of you. And we're not to be that way in Christ. A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. Very sad to take a bribe. May we not be persuaded with bribes to do things that would pervert the ways of justice. May that not be in our court system and all that stuff, but sad to say it it happens. Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Person of understanding person that seeks the Lord gets guidance from the Lord. He gets wisdom from the Lord, direction from the Lord. But a fool that doesn't seek the Lord, he's looking all over the place for direction. He's looking to one end of the earth to the other end, trying to get direction from the Lord. A foolish man is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. So again, foolish, not knowing the Lord, mocking people that are of God, they're a grief to the father. They their bitterness to the mother. Also to punish the righteous is not good, nor to strike princes for their uprightness. When I was looking at this, the first thing I thought of is, you know, how Jesus is righteous and he was punished for us. How Jesus is the prince of peace and he was stricken for us. And it's not good, but it was good for us though. Because he was stricken for us, he was bruised for us. For our iniquities, he died to take away our sins. But it's not good to strike those that are upright. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Another reminder to be slow to speak. If you have, an, if you have knowledge, you're going to spare your words. You're going to not speak so much. You're not going to you know, just be talking and talking. You're going to think before you speak. And then if you have understanding, you're going to have a calm spirit. You're not going to be all anxious. Oh, what are you going to do? Oh, why can we do this? What is this? What is I can't believe that. Being all anxious and fearful and worried. You lack understanding that the Lord God is in your midst. And he's mighty. He's greater. Last verse. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. 
I was thinking that about one of the stories I told. I said, I probably should have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> Stick with the notes, okay? Strong reminder. Even if you're foolish, when you hold your peace, when you're quiet, at least you'll be perceiving being wise or perceptive. Lord, help us. Let's pray. Come to your throne of mercy. It's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettig and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. The sound of our